Hey y'all, it's me, the Swery Therapist, Susan Rogendorf, and I'm your host for this podcast, Fuck the Rules. Fuck the Rules podcast is about folks who set out to achieve something in their lives by ditching their archaic rules and expectations that were getting in their way. So please join me as I chat up these folks to find out why and how they did it and how you fucking can too. Before we get to the sweet, sweet, sweary portion of our show, let's be clear about this podcast series. Fuck the Rules podcast is for information, entertainment, and personal education purposes only. Please note that you will not receive any of those lovely continuing education credits for listening to this podcast as there are no seats associated with this podcast series. Fuck the Rules podcast is not clinical supervision and is absolutely not a substitute for therapy with a qualified mental health professional. Now that we've made the legal team happy, let's get cracking. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to Fuck the Rules podcast, episode two, which is going to be a full length episode as opposed to that teaser episode of eight minutes last week that we had. Today, I am very pleased to have as my first guest, my daughter, Seneca Bullington. Hey, kiddo. Hi, mom. How you doing? Doing pretty good. So kiddo, I ask people to just kind of introduce themselves and you tell me a little bit about yourself. Yes, you get to swear. It's my podcast. Fuck yes. I live in Michigan. I work for a really cool company, EPS, which is a security company. I do job processing and playing in with this episode. I never really took the easy way into doing things and my job's challenging, but I really enjoy it. So when you say kind of following with this podcast of fuck the rules, so we're just going to jump right to it. What, what rules do you think you've said, you know, fuck that, that doesn't work for me. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miss Generalization. You gotta, you gotta narrow that umbrella down a bit. Tell me, okay. So tell me about this. Tell me what is maybe one or two of the top rules that you decided that was not something you were comfortable living your life by where you have said that, yeah, I could do it that way, but that's just not going to work for me. So fuck it. This is what I'm going to do instead. I mean, other than ignoring every piece of advice I ever gave you in my life. <laughs> oh, my, well, <laughs> my first rule is like conforming. Conforming to what though? There's so many standards out there. Society. I grew up in the Midwest, Iowa. Your neighbors know your name and your third cousin's name. And we all go to church and everybody's wearing like bright colors. Which is fine if that's the gig they want, but you just felt that it wasn't something you wanted to do, correct? Yeah, I am what people call today as quote unquote, a spooky goth girl. <laughs> I'm more the Morticia side of it. I am the classic sophisticate goth, but not the extreme. It's kind of hypocritical at the same time because I say, fuck it. I do the things that I want to do. I'm goth, but I like to be outdoors. I like to go fossil hounding, rock hounding, do all the outdoorsy stuff. But at the same time, I want to be prissy and I don't want dirt to touch me. And <laughs> I love glitter. You know, like <laughs> kind of say, fuck the rules to myself. I do what I want. Tell me what that means for you as a millennial. You're a 90s child in early 2000s and the shift of perspective for culture. 
What is that like living as a millennial then and now? That's That was really hard because growing up in the region that I did, being in conservative Iowa, but having a liberal mom as you, and then also growing up with my grandparents and my great-grandparents, it was really hard to find a balance between all of it because you're still trying to conform a little bit. I was always trying to find what I could get away with. And was that across the board, not just at home, but also at school? Yeah, I didn't necessarily fit in to my peers. I was goth, but I wasn't like an emo kid because that was like the thing, like to be an emo kid at that Mm -hmm. time. I didn't really play a whole lot of sports. I had friends that were popular, you know, growing up with you, I don't discriminate because that's just how I was raised. You know, I welcomed everybody. I wanted to be friends with everybody. I was very proud of you for the fact you also were willing to accept my point of view of, I don't really care what ethnicity you are. Are you a good person? Right. And not only ethnicity, but religion. That was another thing that I really struggled with. So grandma, she just had this way. You just knew she was a religious person without even saying. She would literally give you the shirt off her back if you absolutely needed it. There was no time, day or night. If you needed her, she was there. She was always doing different volunteer programs and things like that. So how did that jive with you and church and religious belief and kind of saying, fuck the rules on that? Learning from you, you were multi-religious. You dove into all of this research and things like that. I learned so much from you, which kind of made me question my spirituality. Mm -hmm. And you just didn't do that in Iowa. You were like Christian. You went to church. You did as you were told. And that was that. And mixing that into my generation where we were kind of having what I would call like a millennial spiritual awakening, where we're all questioning what's going on in our lives, just religious wise. So that was also another thing that was hard to to straddle. I didn't go to church just to please Grant. I did it for the community. I love the people that I went to church with. They were good people. But you know, it's really hard to feel like you're doing that to please somebody compared to I'm going just for the company. With you becoming an adult then, what what is it like for you being an adult female? You identify as female. Your pronouns are her, yes. hers, and she. I'm- You're cis female. Correct. You're white. Mm-hmm. You are privileged in a lot of different ways. Yes. But you still have your challenges. Tell me what it's like to be an adult female presenting as you do being a millennial in this day and age, because my experience at being 55 is completely different than what it would be for you, obviously, but also completely different than I ever thought it would be as myself growing up in the seventies. So tell me what your experience is like now and what rules do you remember that you came across that you just said, yeah, no, this isn't going to work for me. Fuck it. Being a millennial now, like it's, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I feel like I am going into like a 60s 70s type of sexual personal revolution because when i was a child in the early 90s it was still not quite okay to be gay you really couldn't tell anybody that you were bisexual 
Certainly not in our area where we were living. The second they heard that you were bisexual, they crucified you. I was bullied all the way through middle school because I had the audacity to say that I was bisexual, that I liked girls. It was just a really bad time. But compared to now, people have different pronouns. It's whatever pronouns you choose. You know, we're not as concerned about being an upright and tight Christian where mm -hmm. just go with the flow, do what you want, just do no harm to other people. Clarifying right and uptight Christian, it's usually those persons that are using their Christianity to subjugate or oppress others. Correct. Okay. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. So now with this kind of personal and sexual and spiritual coming of age for you guys as millennials, what do you see as something that is a bonus for you being a millennial in this age that might have been something that we wouldn't have been able to attain before or the rules that you've decided to discard, you're making up your new rules about? So much. I feel privileged that the people who don't conform as he, she, but in the LGBTQ community, they get jobs. They can have their own life without being physically attacked or being verbally abused. I mean, I know that it's still out there. God, I know that it's still out there. I have friends in that community and I still hear about it, but it's almost a night and day compared to the time that I grew up in the 90s compared to now. I'm going to ask something real quick, though. When you say you have friends that are still in the community, do you not consider yourself in our community? I do. I guess I do, but I don't because my last few relationships have been the opposite sex for me. Right. They've been hetero. So let me ask you this then. Do you feel you have to be active in your bisexuality to consider yourself part of the community? Because this is actually a question that is brought up all the time about where do we belong and how do we belong there? And what is it that I feel qualifies me to be able to say that I belong in this community or that community? Because for me, I'm not partnered right now. I am queer. I'm pansexual. I still consider myself part of the community. So what criteria do you think you need to fulfill to consider yourself part of our community? I don't really think I've ever thought of that because going back to the way in the era that I grew up in, I guess it was kind of like a peer thing. How so? We just in high school talking with some of like my peers, we kind of thought that you had to be active to be called bisexual. And to be fair, I don't think that's the definition anymore. I don't necessarily think you have to be active to call yourself bisexual. And it's something that I have to catch myself on. Like just within this conversation, I really had to think about that. Just because I've been with opposite sex partners for many years, I still have to think, oh, wait, I'm pansexual too. I like everybody. I don't think you have to be active to call yourself bisexual. Okay, but do you have to consider yourself active in your bisexuality to consider yourself part of the community too? No, I don't think so. I still think that plays on being fair with not being active as a bisexual to call yourself bisexual. Which is part of the rules that you say, fuck it. Because for a lot of persons, even within our community, there's a lot of persons that feel that you have to be, you know, active to consider yourself part of the community. And there are other persons such as myself that I'm not active at this point in time, but I still consider myself part of the community. So it's interesting that we all have different criteria of what we feel is someone belonging or not. Right. And I definitely feel for myself, that is a rule to say, you know, fuck that. 
I feel that if you're a person that does not fit into on the far end of heteronormative relationships, or it's very much binary male, female, I think you should be able to have the freedom to say that you belong to a community, even if you're not practicing. And I agree with that. You know, I can't tell somebody else, you don't feel that way. So you can't be a part of this group. It would be like you telling me, you know, hey, even though you may have feelings towards girls, you can't be part of this group because you're not active. Mm-hmm. And that's unfair. So, no, I completely think that you don't have to be active in the community to be a part of it. Yeah. Long story And that's to say, too, for those listening, that this is just my belief and my daughter's belief in who we are as human beings. You know, you may have a different perspective on how you belong to any particular community and how you feel comfortable with that. But I'm just asking Seneca to share her thoughts on that because I want persons to understand there's all sorts of perspectives about belonging out there. Yeah. So to segue, when you said trying to get away with as much as you could. And you know it. <laughs> so, of course, you know what I'm going to bring up. Oh, no. My two favorite stories about you. So the first one was you were eight years old or nine, eight. I don't know. The Buddhist nun thing. Oh, I was. No, I was older than that because we were. We were at the house. We were at the house. So, yes. so you're down at the table. We're eating dinner and your hair was so long, it had a tendency to fall forward anyway. I reach and brush your hair out of your face because it's falling into your plate of food. And you rear back like I'm a T-Rex coming in for you and you're the baby goat in Jurassic Park, right? Yes. And then I see it. Your bangs (laughs) aren't short. They're fucking gone. They're gone. So you have to tell me. Of course, at that point, I'm like, what did you do? And you're like, what, what was, what was your, if you remember to this day, what was your reasoning for doing what you did? Tell me. I don't know why this was a good idea. (laughs) I was tired of my bangs and I thought, well, maybe if I just raised my hairline, they would just go away, which I mean, perfect kid sense. If you think about it, 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 it's kid logic. I'm like, it's totally going to work. Nobody's going to (laughs) notice. And then, and then, like, I only did, like, a little strip, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I just do a little bit more. And then it just kept going, and I'm like, oh, f- fucking hell. <laughs> and you called me down for dinner. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Oh, my God. I was so mortified. <laughs> like, and, you know, bringing Grand back into this. I used to take walks with Grand every day when I would go and be with her. and. Mm-hmm. She dragged my ass out of the house. <laughs> and I did not want to leave because <laughs> I have this bald spot on my face. <laughs> it still fucking cracks me up to this day. I'm forever going to tell the story because it's awesome. So there I am looking at you going, what did you do? What did you do? And you're like something about bangs, blah, blah, blah. And at this point, I just, you know, and I know you're waiting for me to get angry. And actually, I thought I was going to get angry. But honestly, I thought it was hilarious because you look like a little Buddhist nun novit, you know, because they start shaving the top of their their pate mm-hmm. as part of being initiated into to the religion in the nunnery, right? And so I just said, you look like a little Buddhist nun. And I just lost it. I was laughing so hard. It was fucking hilarious. Oh, like 
you were bent over the kitchen table and I wanted to run up to my room, but you were blocking me. So I just had to stay there like mortified. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen you laugh so hard in my fucking life. Which brings us to the second story, which is we're bitching and moaning at each other. I can't remember what we were griping at each other about. You did something and I wasn't happy about it. Back and forth, right? Right. Okay. So then I, and I'm like, Seneca, I have had it. I have, I'm done with this bullshit. And then I get out of the car and I shut the door, slam the door. And it's a little hatchback, right? And I'm standing taller and you're taller than the tall of the car or the top of the car. And you get out and you shut the door. And I look at you and I said, now, what in the hell do you say? And what did you say? Fuck, please. <laughs> to which it was such an unsequitur. I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? And I'm looking at you and I'm like, and you use the F word. No, I let you get away with a lot, but you would never had the balls to say fuck ever around me. So when you said that and it came out of your mouth, there was this, there was this Vesuvius that was ready to explode, but the, the sheer non sequitur of it in the context of what we were talking about blindsided me so hard that I thought it was fucking hilarious and I am screaming with laughter in the middle of the parking lot and I think you had this look of I've never seen such a look of relief on anybody's face that I was not going to climb over the car and go after you for saying the worst word in the English vocabulary my my eyes were as big as dinner plates like I wasn't sure if I was going to get away with this or if I was going to die that day (laughs) (laughs) But the rule rule of thumb with mom is if you can make mom laugh, you're out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll be in less trouble because it's fucking funny as hell. <laughs> so that's I, that's now our go-to phrase whenever you know something gets really tense and then it's like, fuck please. Fuck please. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as a kid, you were always trying to get away with shit. I mean. That's the nature of kids. You know, you're always pushing boundaries. You're trying to figure out your world. And us as parents is trying to teach our kids, this is the world. This is how we want to keep yourself safe. This is what we need to do to keep you safe. This is what you need to do to, you know, put clothes in your back and food in your mouth and roof over your head because we're not always going to be here. But you took boundary pushing to a new level, you know, and there was a curse that was laid on me by my mother who said she had hoped I'd have 12 children exactly like me at the moment I was being my worst self other. And I thought, fuck oh. you. Got my tubes died. I only had one. <laughs> Little did I know. All 12. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm out of the womb saying fuck the rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. That was, yeah, that, that was you definitely all rolled into one. So tell me how it is that you and I through, we went through a lot of shit together and I don't want to delve into too much of the details, but because of circumstances and choices I made and trying to work through some things and you growing up and shit you went through, what do you think is it that you and I can talk like this and be open and honest? Because a lot of people don't have that with their partners, let alone their kids and their parents. What is it that you think that we can be open and honest with one another? So without, like you said, diving into everything and not, I'm not criticizing your, your parenting because you were 
you're a good mom. Like you're always a good mom. Oh, I fucked up. I totally own it. I completely fucked up in a lot of different areas, but I did get you to a really good therapist. Yes. But at the same time, I felt like not only were you my mom, but you were my friend and you were always adamant about any question, anything that I needed to talk about, or I was going through something, it was always come to mom. If you don't know it, we will sure as hell find a way to get an answer about the thing that you're questioning. And that, I think that's really helped. With all of our experiences together, it's really paved the way sexually. They talked being open because even growing up in Iowa, you weren't that forward with your parents, even in my generation. So it's rare to have a relationship like that with your parents to be that open. And having that friend type of attitude towards you, it's really helped get me through a lot because not only was I struggling through things, but I also saw you struggling through things. And it was almost like a camaraderie. Hey, we're both going through shit together. We got to just be open and communicative together, or this is going to go to shit. We're not going to survive if we don't communicate. Well, we per- as persons may survive, but our relationship wouldn't. Right. Okay. And I didn't want to lose that because I also saw the relationship that you had with your mom and how incredibly fucked up it is. Was. Um, was. Sorry. That's okay. I also heard a lot of the stories that my grandparents went through with their parents. Like they never talked about anything. Doing a lot of within my own like research about the decades and how people grew up and things like that. And a lot of hypocrisy that came through the times that they went through. And it kind of just dawned on me. It's like, why didn't you just say something? You know, that's when it dawned on me. My mom's my best friend. If she can't be my best friend, who the hell am I going to go to? And that's what it really boils down to. Well, and because of the nature of those relationships in those time periods and also within those family cultures, there's there was no room for that to be available to those persons who were your ancestors, bringing you to where you're at now. But you know, that's interesting, because I've always felt that I always number one, I was your mom. But then it was nice as you grew older that we could maintain a really close relationship and still be friends at right. that point. But I'm still mom, I will always play that card. Always, right. always. But through you and your friendships, I have more kids than I ever thought I would have in my life. And this is where we talk about our expanded family. That is not about following any fucking rules whatsoever. We've got Jen, who I've known almost as long as you've been alive. And then her fiance is Steven. He's a recent addition to the family, who is a lovely young man. Mm-hmm. We've got Carrie, Chris, and Charlie, also through you as friends. Of course, there is Animesh. He is your former spouse. He was my son-in-law, but I considered him my son. And through everything you guys have been through, it's kind of a fuck through situation in that y'all are still friendly. You still communicate with one another and that he is still very much a part of my life as a son. But that was also in talking with you about what boundaries I needed to observe and what you two need to observe in your relationships with me for boundaries. But we made it work. And it's continuing to work. And I can't imagine not having him as part of my life. And we have got James that I had met through work and is now part of the family. And we've got John, who is your partner now, who is now part of the family. So now we have what we call the clan, C-L-A-N. I consider them as much my children as you are. Of course, your number one child. Right. Number one. (laughs) Because we have decided to say fuck the rules about what family is supposed to mean, because 
we just say decided to say fuck those rules where family is defined by blood relatives and we are including persons we care so much about because the kids are your siblings that you just didn't grow up with i think we're extremely fortunate to have one another in that type of family setting because it it makes no difference whether we're blood related or not we still have a lot of care and affection and love and loyalty to one another but we'll also call one another out if we need to right absolutely yeah as we said to what it was your baby brother that we said we may give you shit but we're not going to feed you shit exactly you'll get great meals from us but don't think you're going to get away from anything Mm -hmm. exactly yep how do you feel about having that expanded family after growing up a single child only child. I really didn't feel like I was an only child because I had my cousin Shelby mm-hmm. outside of my friends at school. She's she's still my ride or die. She's still my best friend. I still consider her a sister, but it's also great to have siblings. It's nice that I have people that I can count on that I know that at the end of the day have my back a thousand percent. And it's Doesn't it does it I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. Go ahead. I said, and it's the same for the rest of them. I've always been the one where if you need something, you know, I'm there in a heartbeat. And I think for myself, it means even more that you create a family around you in addition to your regular family because you want them there. It's not necessarily you are obligated to have them there. And I think that makes a big difference too in being able to say, fuck it. This person means a lot to us as a group, we are going to create this family because there are a lot of people out there that create families because for a lot of different reasons, they've had to say fuck the rules too, because the rules didn't play fair by them when it comes to family. Yeah. So I think we're pretty lucky with that as well. I agree. We are coming to the end of our episode. My question out of all of your experiences and being a millennial and saying fuck the rules, what would you advise or recommend to others about saying fuck the rules? Kind of going back to the part of the episode where fuck the rules but do no harm live your life be happy please be happy because we are finding out very quickly that life is short and there's just there's no time for regrets just please fuck the rules be happy do what you want but just don't hurt other people i agree seneca thank you so much for spending part of your day with me As always, I love talking with you. You crack my ass up all the time. I am so proud of you for everything you've accomplished. Even though there have been times I wondered what the hell have I done by having you because you were this wild tornado of a child sometimes, but you've gone through a lot and I am very proud of you and I love you. Thank you for being here today. Love you. And that, as they say, is that. I appreciate you sticking around and listening. Please be sure to subscribe in order to hear more juicy, swear-filled episodes. You can find me on Instagram under Cofelt Counseling, The Sorry Therapist, or Fuck the Rules Podcast. And you know what I'm going to say. Lean into your support networks. Seek out a mental health professional if you're feeling overwhelmed. And as always, be kind to yourself.